Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello and welcome, friends and fellow do-gooders. Today, I have the honor of interviewing a very special guest, Genevieve Smith, an expert in social and organizational change, values alignment, and data for social good. In two words, she refers to herself as a professional bummer, so we're going to find out what that means. She actually got connected to me through an interesting Slack channel where women help women called Women Get Paid. And though her appearance on another podcast, I actually found out a little bit more about her. She appeared in Change Finance, the ESG podcast for environment, social, and governance investing. I was impressed with her approach to social change and the methods she uses to help people navigate uncomfortable conversations. So the first uncomfortable conversation I'd like to navigate with you, Genevieve, is what does it mean to be a professional bummer? (laughs) That's a great place to start. And thank you for having me. Professional bummer. It's kind of come from a joke. It's really been like, oh no, Genevieve's here. We just came up with this idea and she's going to tell us what's wrong with it. And what it's really evolved into is really owning that piece of my work, especially when working with social change organizations and folks who who are do-gooders, right? And we've got a lot of beautiful collective rhetoric about making the world a better place. I'm the one who comes in at the lunch when everybody's happy to talk about how much better they're making. I say, well, wait, hold on. What about, are you really? What's happening here? In a way that is, I hope, accessible and somewhat friendly, but really what it comes down to is if we are to build the equitable world that works for everyone that many of us claim that we want to build. We got to bum each other out and bum our families out. I remember after the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, there was this perfect tweet. And I'll have to remember who it was so we can put it in the sources. It was something about like, if we really want to fight racism in this country, call out your racist uncle like ruin Thanksgiving. That's how I feel about being a professional bummer. If we're really going to do the work like we say we want to, we got to get a little uncomfortable. But I'll sit with you while we're uncomfortable. Like I won't abandon you or yell at you. So tell me how many Thanksgivings you've ruined. Oh, (laughs) I'm not invited anymore. (laughs) Oh, but I really think that's an important conversation. We're all trying to have this right now. So what happens when you get to dinner and you have a disagreement with your racist uncle? How do you navigate that conversation? It's such a big question. And what I always come back to is first, the self-care aspect of it all. Like if I'm coming into the conversation already fired up, and already, you know, ready to attack my racist uncle about genocide and colonization. If I'm already pissed and I know he's not going to agree with me, it's going to be more of a like self-righteous vendetta conversation, regardless of how noble my aims may be. But in any of those uncomfortable conversations, if we're coming at it ready to start a fire, 
it's not going to go well. But if we come at it saying, hey, I really do genuinely want to understand where you're at with this, which is not necessarily endorsing that behavior, right? Something that I always come back to, and I've always got to ground myself in this, I ground my clients in this, is compassion for somebody's humanity is not endorsement of their ideas or their behavior. So saying, hey, problematic family member, how are you feeling? Because if somebody's angry or if somebody is so committed to this like black and white, right, wrong way of thinking, there's usually some fear under that. And so being able to get under that and to say, how are you feeling right now? Like, what are you worried about in the world? Who do you love? Who are you worried about? Who are you worried about keeping safe? And really bringing it to that human piece of these conversations and to be able to relate to like, hey, I love my family too. Because I think on the whole, the majority of people don't wake up in the morning and say, I don't care about my family. I don't care about my neighbors. I don't care about what happens to people in the world. They may not be actively thinking about caring about their neighbors. And that may show up in very problematic ways. But to get back to the point, if I go into that conversation committed to him being wrong and being a jerk that I disagree with, it's not going to go well. But if I go in committed to recognizing his humanity, I'm not endorsing his racism, but I'm holding compassion for his humanity. And that I've found in these one-on-one conversations is the only way that we're going to even get to any common ground. So finding that common ground, you're actually doing by getting them to think about what they care about first. Like, what do they actually care about? Why are they actually afraid of immigrants coming in from Mexico or refugees crossing the border? You know, what is driving that? What is making them so upset and so activated over something that probably won't affect their daily lives? Exactly. And I've found, and this is something that I challenge myself to do all the time too, I can name what I'm against very easily. I'm against fascism. I'm against punitive justice system. I'm against racism, homophobia. I'm against a lot of things. And I always come back to, especially when I'm like all fired up and my adrenaline is going and or I'm sad and I feel hopeless. What am I for? Yes, I'm against all these things. That still stands. What are the things that I'm for? And it's love it's equity, it's community-based resourcing mm-hmm. and community power. I think of this as sort of a strengths-based lens rather than a deficit-based lens because we, we're all really good at talking about like what's wrong. And so being able to like reach in and say like, okay, but what do you like, what lights you up? Okay. And then can we expand that love you have for your family or for part of your family maybe, right? <laughs> into like, well, why doesn't that expand to to other human people? Again, with that, like compassion is not endorsement. Genevieve, I think you hit the nail on the head, at least for me personally. I mean, why do I call this a podcast for social good and sustainability? Because even all those things that rile me up, the common thread that I think most of us can agree on is that we want to live well and we prefer to do good in so doing. I mean, there are going to be the outliers that don't give a crap really about anybody. But that's not most people. 
they care about their families. They care about their neighbors. They care about their communities, whether or not that's coming through in their actions and the things that they're saying. Given that, I'd like you to talk a little bit, or at least have a conversation with me about how you integrate that whole perspective into the work that you do to help companies activate themselves and be walking the walk that they're talking. I love it. One more thing I want to add on to that personal conversation, like big, big caveat. If that person doesn't think that you should be alive based on your identity, maybe don't have the conversation. Don't go to Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's really important to not carry every single boulder on our back. Some conversations are not for us and self-care is community care. So that's a really important umbrella to all of that. I agree. Thank you for that clarification. Yes. (laughs) What I've been really excited about is it's all the same logic in working with corporations or working with NGOs or teams or, you know, whoever is really getting to what do you care about? And the trick with my work has been whenever we talk about values or these sort of abstractions of like integrity or equality or world peace. If we spend more than half an hour talking about what that means, traditional corporate leaders can get very frustrated because it doesn't feel like we're actually doing anything and it doesn't track to traditional productivity. And it can feel really like this is all just like woo woo. We have it at the all staff meeting, but once we're in the boardroom, I want to make decisions. And so it's being able to balance, you know, we're going to make these very concrete and tie them to your bottom line. And in order to get there, We've got to have some very vulnerable conversations. So what's been helpful for me is I do work as a leadership coach. So I'm able to sort of walk through those technicalities while also reading where's whatever resistance coming from. If this does feel like it's too woo-woo, why are you uncomfortable talking about what peace actually means? Because part of really aligning values as in equality, integrity, Peace, all of these words that we find on the back of boardroom walls or on beautifully branded websites, what do those words not mean? Because we see these words used in all kinds of movements, especially nationalistic movements, especially oppressive movements, family values, you know, love of country. So it's been really balancing the seemingly philosophical question of what do these words mean? balancing that with efficiency and running a business and being practical about what that means. One of the ways that I do that is we'll define a value, say inclusion, and we'll define all of the aspects of that value. So that's not only, it's not just representation, it's how do we create a culture of belonging? And it's not only racial equity because all of a sudden people are learning about racial equity post the murder of George Floyd, it's also, what's your website accessibility? Can folks who are hard of hearing or blind access your content? Can your employees who are hard of hearing access your meetings? Oh, you don't have any employees who are hard of hearing. What's that about? And so it's really digging into those loops and then saying, okay, yes, this feels big. This can feel overwhelming. It can feel hairy. Let's take a look at your business processes whether it is your all-staff meeting or your training material or 
how you contract with outside contractors. What is that language and how does that map up to this very concrete definition of a previously abstract value? So Genevieve, as you talked about all of these different words that we're working to define and how they might mean different things to different people, like if somebody on the alt-right is championing pride and country, that that could mean something different. That even today, there are people on the other side of the aisle that consider themselves more liberal that may be afraid to put an emblazoned American flag out on 4th of July now. So I'd like to talk about this concept that I heard you talk about on another podcast, nothing is neutral, and what that means and how we can kind of work through that challenge. Thank you for bringing it up. It informs all of my work, as well as the way I move through the world. Nothing is neutral. And I think it's important too. you know, those are both really extreme examples, you know, the alt-right and pride of country or love of country and more left-leaning folks who may be worried about what patriotism means right now. Those are two really important examples. It's also really important to note the nuance of this stuff, especially in companies and on teams. I often say if you've got five people in a boardroom and they all say they believe in integrity, ask them what that means. You will get six and a half different answers. Some of them may be overlapping, There are a lot of Venn diagrams here, but everybody's got a different frame of reference. It's holding space for not only the really extreme stuff, but also your neighbor who voted the same way that you do, composts instead of recycles. Great. How much in an echo chamber are you actually? Because we go through the world sort of assuming that we mean the same things, whether it's in a personal relationship, business relationship, a policy argument in a think tank. Six months down the road, we go, oh, no. Oh, you thought we were talking about this? No, I was talking about this thing. Mm -hmm. So really just getting clear on those definitions is so important. But to come back to this idea that nothing is neutral, I have found that we tend to hide behind neutrality. And we tend to hide behind, you know, I I don't want to get political. So I don't want to talk about this thing at work. We're not going to make a statement about Black Lives Matter because we're not political. Pals, my friends, it is not political. And it gets to, I'm sure many people saw it on signs or maybe even carried these signs in protests, silence is violence. When we don't speak up and when we're not very clear in our intention, we leave a lot of room for values that are or are not ours to run amok. This isn't an argument for censorship. It's also not an argument for like really self-righteous, like here's what I think all the time. It's anytime we move through the world, whether it's walking to the grocery store, ordering delivered groceries, interacting with the cashier, using the self-checkout at the grocery using a plastic bag, using our own bag. And every other errand we run, how we do our laundry, how we heat our homes up to who we're hiring, what messaging we're using, what words and rhetoric we're using. Every single action or inaction has an effect on the world around us. Even just thinking on like very, very granular terms, like I move my hands around a lot when I talk, 
and the air around my hands is moving. So it's nothing is neutral is not meant to scare or overwhelm folks because it can feel big and it can feel paralyzing sometimes like, oh, no, nothing is neutral. I don't want to mess up. I better just not move. It's not that. Especially because 100% alignment of values is very hard, if not totally impossible. Not only in the current system that we live in, but values can be intention. On the corporate side, you've got transparency and privacy. Those are always intention with each other. And it's a matter of balancing them. A personal value that I think a lot of people butt up against is inclusion. And then the minute somebody doesn't agree with them, they fly off the handle. Mm -hmm. Is that inclusive? So we get to also give ourselves grace and say, you know what? I did pretty good today. I'll do better tomorrow. But if we try to move to 100% alignment and then use that as a way to shame other people, that's only feeding into that larger system. Of it seems to be a hobby for some now. It's called, I think, woke shaming, right? Like you're not woke enough or what is the term now if you refer to yourself as a a he, a she, a zim or a zem, you know, suddenly somebody makes a mistake, they goof, they say the wrong pronoun and everyone in the room gasps. I mean, I live in Santa Cruz County where we're much more, we've come further down the road than some other communities around the world. We've ha- been having these conversations for the past 20 years and they've been getting more in depth in the last 10 and then five and then two to the point where I think we're fairly comfortable as a community with gender issues or gender inclusiveness and people feeling like they can be who they want to be, but they still have the same sort of challenges every time they step outside of our bubble. And I think it creates a little bit of anxiety for them, but then also for the others who don't know or aren't comfortable with or haven't figured out yet how to absorb this and consider it at a level where it becomes ingrained and normal to them. Because reality is this still isn't normal to a lot of people. They can't see it that way yet. And we're all moving in that direction. So how do we encourage that without inflaming somebody to the point where they say, I give up, this is all too hard. I still refer to people from South Asia as oriental or something to that effect, you know, like it's a very challenging issue, I think, to navigate through and particularly in some areas of the country. So I have a question from our community. Dale asks, how do you find common ground when it seems both sides are at an impasse and virtually irreconcilable? I think this issue could go right there, right? Especially around race, gender, and faith. Yeah, it's huge. And it goes back to the, you know, the very first thing that we talked about is like, if you go in and you're lit up and you're ready to throw a Molotov cocktail, don't have the conversation Mm. straight up. Don't have the conversation. And this consistent sort of looking in the mirror, holding up the mirror, not only to other people about their problematic behavior, but if you're not willing to hold up your own mirror, it's hypocritical. Mm -hmm. It's mean. And it doesn't do the movement any good. So yes, nothing is neutral, but also be nice. Mm -hmm. Don't be a jerk. 
And it goes back to that same idea of compassion is not endorsement. And the second half of that is accountability is not policing. And what I mean by that is holding somebody accountable to once they know better, do better, does not mean punishing them or, you know, putting the the idea of like canceling when it's actually canceling. There are things that get called canceling that are not canceling. <laughs> but is once somebody says, oh, whoa, I didn't know that, which is a scary place to be, especially when you are used to being the smartest person in the room or the person with the power. All of a sudden, your competency is gone mm-hmm. and you feel really vulnerable. Not to say that that's the right thing, but it is a feeling. And so being able to work through that with folks, I think is really important. But to get to that question, finding common ground, first, checking in with yourself Mm -hmm. and understanding what your come from is. Do you want to find common ground? And this is a question that's not an attack, right? That's a question I have with myself all the time. Sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I'm just mad. And I have no actual desire to find common ground. So I'm not going to have that conversation. When I do want to find common ground, it's those same questions. What do you care about? What do you love? Who do you love? How do you define love? Which takes vulnerability on both sides. What do you Mm -hmm. believe in? Reframing the question in terms of what are you for rather than what are you against and seeing where those Venn diagrams sort of like line up. And same caveat, if this person doesn't have an intention of finding common ground with you, spend your energy somewhere else. This is not, we don't need to like punish ourselves or other people about this. So it's got to be a consensual conversation. Right. Well, I think you just answered Patricio's question. He said, people often approach a disagreement with the mindset of winning the argument and viewing the other party as an opponent. It would be interesting to hear her thoughts on how to reframe that interaction before you engage. How can we show more compassion towards our fellow human beings and work towards a common goal versus combating with the other person? The way he asked that question was so perfect because, I mean, it shows that he's definitely thinking about these things. I had a friend on social spaces who he's not the most sensitive and he makes some let's just say, leaps in judgment quite easily, often comments on things that he completely disagrees with and it isn't always friendly. And so one of the ways that my friends have started to handle this is with humor. I think humor really deserves a little bit of a moment in the spotlight too. What they'll say is things like, oh no, uncle so-and-so came to ruin the barbecue. (laughs) And I find myself for a moment just going, yes, you know, I should have said that, but I stayed silent (laughs) because I was sick of being the moderator of this conversation from somebody who's consistently trying to inflame people he doesn't agree with. I wonder what your thoughts are on finding a humorous way to approach this in some cases. I think it has a potential to backfire, but also the potential to get people listening. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's huge. And I know, you know, in my work and just with my personality, I know that when I'm in a workshop or when we're in the middle of a really tough conversation, if I can get a laugh, it makes my job so much easier. (laughs) Um, 
I think not only humor and like you alluded to really intentional humor, you know, not making light of the subject, but making light of like, wow, humans are so fragile. Like, why is this so hard? For me, I think a lot about, you know, learning in public and part of that compassion and part of that, hey, we're in this together. I'm not coming for you. It's not woke shaming. It's not impact Olympics. Like I'm here to learn too is to share where we're at and to be willing to make fun of ourselves. And especially if, you know, I think the stereotypes about white liberals are incredible. (laughs) And a lot of them are pretty funny. (laughs) And and so I think like, yeah, okay, yes, I listen to NPR and yes, you know, I have these clogs, whatever it is, right. To let the person that or people that you're interacting with know that you don't take yourself too seriously, because I think that that is one of our big communications problems as like a large group of people who are like-minded is we come off as holier than thou. And a lot of us are holier than thou and to own that, like stop being self-righteous, dude. And, um, was I woke shaming you again? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. And and to be willing to like let people in, you know, I mean, I think one of my big things when I talk about values alignment, because some people will think, oh, it's going to be, you know, they know everything about being values aligned. No, like I, the pants that look really good on me are from H&M and I haven't bought new clothes in a year because we're, you know, in a pandemic and they were $25. And, but also like, I have a pretty good idea of H&M's supply chain and manufacturing. Oh, but my butt looks good. And that like stories like that to be able to say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not God. Like it's fine. And I know that this can come off as somewhat hilarious. You should, you should be living in a tree house, you know, on a exactly. like this. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the other thing is it's also a really good barometer. Humor is a fantastic barometer that if a joke lands, somebody's coming with you. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, I think it was George Carlin had some beautiful quote about, you know, when you're laughing, your defenses are down and that's when new ideas can get in. Mm-hmm. So from that aspect, it's really, really, really important. And, and when somebody just says something ridiculous, I am not afraid of being like, re- okay, how many red herrings are you going to put? Like the what about isms, right? Oh my God. To yes. be able to be like, mm-hmm. yo, what are you doing? What's happening here? But what about, um, but what about, right? Exactly. Yeah. But to have that sort of camaraderie or like, hey, we're both people and like we both, come on, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Before we wrap up, I'd love to give you the opportunity to just share a few ways that our audience can get involved to create a little bit more social good out there. Yeah. Have the conversation and have the not easy conversation. You know, I think we all sort of have the like, here's my list of friends I can talk about this stuff with. Talk to the people who you feel like you can't talk about social good or, you know, take a sort of, I would invite people to take a kind of internal inventory of where do I censor myself about the things that I believe in? And I know just through the work that I've done, a lot of people feel like they can't bring their values to work which I understand, but at the same time is a wild concept. I would invite people to push themselves to have these conversations with the people who they don't know if they agree with them. But, you know, get out of that kind of safety zone because if it stays in the bubble, we've stayed in the bubble for 50 years. Like what, what progress has that, has that gotten us? 
So I think that's really important. I also think listening and being really mindful about what our come froms are. And, you know, whether you're on the internet or having a conversation with your boss or having interacting with anybody really is really checking in and saying like, oh, am I reading this because I'm doom scrolling and I want to like take somebody down or not because I had a bad day? Or do I genuinely want to know what Fox News is reporting because I want to understand that perspective and just really checking in with ourselves there. And if folks do run businesses and or lead teams, take a look at your business practices with that frame of nothing is neutral. And maybe once a month, let's look at one process and see if that's aligned to your values. I love that. Now, I just want to thank you for a great conversation today. I've personally really enjoyed it. And for being a part of this community and this pod, I'd personally like to invite everybody who's listening to visit the website, caremorebebetter.com. I will have resources there, including Genevieve's website, GV Advisory, so that you can take a look at what she does and perhaps even use her services. So let's stay connected and do this again sometime. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so Um, much for having me. Yes. And thank you to everybody who's listening. Go out there and have a conversation with that difficult uncle. It doesn't hurt to try, right? Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good. Thank you.